Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Each episode, we cover an aspect of sex that impacts your sex life and something that you can relate to. So if you find our discussions helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love it if you would tell a friend about us. You can find us also on the web at foreplayrst.com. And if you have a comment or a topic that you'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Please send them to us at info at foreplayrst.com. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lori. We are normally not taping this early in the morning. Yeah, I know. So ah. we have coffee in hand, right? <laughs> we went to Starbucks. We're shooting ourselves full of caffeine this yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah, we need that. Although and sometimes in the afternoon, we're, we're tired too. I know. Yeah. It's a, it's a catch-22. In the morning, we're tired because we're just waking up. In the afternoon, <laughs> we're just winding down. So basically, we're just always tired. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I hope we don't sound tired. I hope not either. <laughs> All right. So what we, we are what, here to talk about trust today in this episode. Trust that is such a nebulous word, right? I hear people talk totally. about it all the, all the time, and it's really abstract, right? So how would – do you have a definition that you use for trust? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what is trust in our sexual relationship and in our relationships, period, is really yeah. what we're driving at. Yeah. I, I guess to me it's this feeling of safety. Okay. You know, that my heart is safe, that my body is safe, that – the person I'm with, you know, my partner cares about me. Yeah. I like that. I like the idea, always like the idea of safety. I think trust in general is, especially in a relationship, right, is just anything, anytime that we draw boundaries around mm-hmm. our relationship and then we hold to those boundaries. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think more more consistent Pro- we promises are. Promises kept. Right. Um, both uh-huh. spoken and unspoken, right? Right. Like in, in a marriage, for instance, uh, the boundary is usually that we're only going to have sex with each other. Right. right That's one right. boundary. Uh-huh, and so sure. the more consistent of we are Of monogamy and fidelity. Right. And so the more consistent we are in that, the more we trust that that's, the, we trust the other person to be able to do that, the more but, consistent we are. When that gets broken, of course, when somebody steps outside of the relationship, for instance, then, tr- then trust is broken. Trust is broken. But we have all kinds of boundaries that we draw in our relationship. And I, right? I think just the, the sa- along that line of fidelity, right, 
it's we're going to stay away from all others. That's yeah. our commitment in a monogamous relationship. But also, we're promising implicitly that we're going to be sexual yes. with our partner, yes, right? It's true. a promise onto an erotic sexual life with our partner. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, our trust can be violated that way, too. If our yeah. partner doesn't value sex or doesn't see how important sex is, or you know, we can, away. Yeah, we can start to feel really unsafe. Yeah. And I think that may be true on the other side when sex is over pursued. Right, and not mm-hmm. and not made safe for the partner that withdraws as well. Okay, explain that when it's over pursued. Well, when it's pursued in a way that's not safe, when it's um, when it's aggressive, when the other person doesn't want it to be aggressive, when it's forced, obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, um, when any time that um, a person has asked for space or is asked to kind of process and wants has expressed their needs and their needs are not taken seriously um, mm-hmm. sexually or their needs are invalidated. I think that also can cross an uh, implicit boundary that the couple will share. So, but it's both ways again, right? It's yes. It's when the person maybe who is not as interested feels overly pressured, and then yeah. maybe anger comes into it, and or when it's the person who feels like not taken deeply seriously enough yes. about their sexual needs. Yeah. I mean, either way we can start to feel unsafe in the relationship. That implicit boundary that you said about sex being important in the relationship and that we're going to pursue each other sexually mm-hmm. and we're going to, that is often, I think, unspoken in couples. Sure, right? it's implicit. Yeah, it does not, it it doesn't happen. It's not something they often talk about. And so it's it's often one of the ones that gets violated quickest because they're not maybe not talking about it or don't, mm-hmm. they have an expectation that's not being met. Right. You know, and I got married similarly to Princess Diana, and that tells you how old I am. You know, and I remember their vow, which was an Anglican service, and, you know, they vowed to each other, with my body I thee worship. And that was also part of my Episcopal service as well. I mean, so it was explicit in my marital vows that it wasn't simply, I promise to be faithful to you, but it was also, I promise with my body to, to worship you know, my partner, my husband. I mean, it was very, and it was by design. I mean, I even yeah. knew at the time how important that was. Yeah. How how would you translate that? I think that word worship might might be, that's a strong word. Right. It's a strong word. I guess it means I'm going to adore you with my body. I, I'm going to, you know, in my mind, sort of be all over you with yeah. my body, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it is a strong word. I think those vows were written that way, that it was with that kind of strength yeah. that it was recognized. You know, this is like the 1800s kind of service yeah. in the Episcopal Church. It was recognized how important the physical relationship yeah. is to marriage. Yeah. I love that. I love that word adore, like I think connected with worship, because we're not talking about exalting the other at the expense of yourself. Like it's really more about moving toward each other that you're exactly. both saying that you're going to do that and it's it's a it's a high form of love that we're giving ourselves fully over to our partner right with, um, with utter vulnerability right yeah. i mean i think it's an elevation of the body relationship i mean in a coupleship we are more than just working partners we are right. also body partners yeah one of the things i hear often from couples who when the, they come in, and, and especially when they've come in late in the, the problem, they say it's taken them several years to come in, is they say, we just feel like it's we're just friends. We're just roommates right. at this point, right? 
And I think they're not doing any of that body worship. Yeah, stuff. they're not doing any of the body worship. <laughs> I like that. body worship. I mean, I think it, uh, but I think that's what you're saying, right? I think you're saying that how important it is because that defines that relationship is different, and so there's a trust there that we're going to give ourselves to each other physically. And that's so important, and it gets such swept under. That body worship gets swept under <laughs> the rug, right? It gets and, cast you know, aside. I had uh, my pastor's wife at the time. We were married in a sort of a, one of those big box ch- churches. and But we did an Episcopal service because I was raised Episcopalian. But anyway, you know, her, her thing was that orals, giving a male oral sex was the way you worshipped at his altar. She literally said that to me. Oh, wow. But, I mean, what a sex-positive message, right, yeah. from a religious leader. Yeah. I mean, how many people get that kind of sex-positive message? Yeah. From their priests and pastors, and I mean, uh, you get a lot of no, don't do it yeah. here, there, or the other place, or you know, constraint. But you right. don't get a lot of positive messages. But I think that's important. The important thing there too is that it's there's mutual. Like hopefully somebody else was saying something like that to Derek too, as well. Yeah, you know? yeah gosh, like, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. But I it mean, all worked out, that's Adam. Good. All right, I need to go any we don't further need to go any further. Uh, I just, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, it's a mutuality, right? I mean, yeah. I can't, you know, I think that's I think that's part of the beauty of that relationship. And that makes that when y'all both are doing that at the same time, it builds trust, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, I imagine like, do you do you have like, what are the things in, that would break trust in the sexual relationship? Obviously, infidelity would do infidelity, that. Infidelity. Yeah, right? big and, one. And for some people, you know, there can be minor infractions. I mean, a lot of people feel that porn breaks trust. And, you know, I have mixed emotions about that. I think that I heard a patient last week say, you know, she had mixed feelings about her husband using porn and she had opened his computer and there was porn everywhere. And fortunately, she didn't get angry, but she went to him and she said, "Okay, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious about this. I, I, I. are you saying that there's something not right between us? You know, why are you needing this? And I think it was coming during a time of a sexual lull. So yeah. it wasn't like, you know, she didn't want to have sex and he was compensating. It was during a time that they were, you know, she was open to it and they were not having much sex. And he kind of poured out his heart to her about how he was so stressed at work and there were all these things going on. And she said, well, I get it now. No wonder you're using porn. (laughs) You're trying to survive psychically uh, with some sort of aliveness in this really depressing, anxious time. And Mm -hmm. she said she depersonalized it completely. It wasn't about her. It wasn't about their sex life. It wasn't any kind of commentary whatsoever about their sex life. And she was able to get through that. And I thought that's beautiful because... She stayed vulnerable. He stayed vulnerable. Yeah. It it really wasn't. They stayed in it together. Yeah, they stayed in it together, and they yeah. understood, you know, why he was using it at that point. And it, you know, it wasn't actually, even though it was a sexual use, mm. it wasn't a commentary on their sex life. So, yeah. but I do know people who, you know, feel like that's problematic. I know people who feel like it's problematic if their partner talks to another person of the opposite sex or yeah. looks at another person of the opposite sex or flirts like i think there's or flirts. So, then there's different levels of what people consider to be flirting and right. so any kind of anything like that would then break how how strong a friendship should be what what that would look like with a member of the opposite sex i think right. that's the that that begins to um and and it's sort of a catch 22 isn't it adam because yeah. i think with trust people have more freedom Mm -hmm. and they allow each other more freedom. 
But when trust is broken or when the relationship is not secure sexually and, yeah. you know, either way, then there then mistrust can come in. Um, I, I don't know what you're feeling about this other person, you know, because we're not strong sexually. Yeah. Yeah. I think and I think that and we're not here to tell you where to draw those lines no, particularly. But I think that's how you you begin to know where trust is being broken. If you're feeling like you're it's there's not trust in your sexual relationship. I feel like that's where you start is saying what are what are the boundaries that are being broken? What are the expectations that are being broken here? Do we have the same ones? Do we have the same expectations and boundaries for our relationship that we clearly understand so that we can know, okay, well, this is over the line, right? This is too far or this this begins to break trust when you do X or when you know when you don't when you don't do X, that's when trust begins to be broken. And I would sure love couples to talk about this when they're not stressed. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. early in the, the relationship. Yeah. If you are early married and you're doing great, this is the time to talk about it and say, you know, tell me what you think your boundaries are in terms of opposite sex and how are we going to purpose to keep our relationship safe, our trust, you know, yeah. high and our relationship exclusive. What do we do? You know, what do we do if we find ourselves attracted to another? Is that does that make us a bad person or how do we handle that? What what's the safest way to handle that? And I mean, I really think talking about it early would be wonderful because it's during a time that's not threatening. And that that gives it off to the right start. Right. That gives gives you the parameters of what um, your relationship is going to look like and how trust is going to continue to be built. But we're going to come back after the okay. break, right, and talk yes. about some tips about how to build trust, especially if it's been broken, yes. um, how you can start to get some of that back, right? And, and also trust within the relationship, the yes. vulnerability within. So let's talk about that in a minute. Awesome. Wanting sex again. How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy. Weekend couples intensives are also offered. Improve your sex and improve your relationship with Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Find out more at awakenloveandsex.com. Awaken what's possible. It is one of my great joys in life to be able to really help individuals and couples find strength in their relationships and really find hope again. Licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews from Matthews Counseling. I work with a wide variety of issues, including depression and anxiety, marital issues, issues with adolescence. I believe that therapy should be designed around you, that it should be personalized to who you are and to your unique situation. Therapy is available in office, online, and by phone. I want therapy to be comfortable for everyone. At our office, you'll find that we sit around a fireplace in deep, comfortable chairs 
look at the problem differently and offer practical solutions for you to take home and utilize outside of the therapy room. Schedule today and rediscover hope. You can find me on the web at matthewscounseling.net. Matthew's with one T. You can contact us through email or phone and find a lot of resources on our website, matthewscounseling.net. back for Play Radio Sex Therapy with Lori and Adam, and we are talking about trust today, and we've just talked about, you know, sort of how to keep trust when we're talking about the boundary of fidelity, but I also think about trust in terms of vulnerability. Sure. Like, how do we let our partner, can we trust our partner with this, like, innermost sanctum of our thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Of our thoughts about what we want sexually, about what we want to do to them sexually. And our feelings about around our needs. sex, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I've been married for a long time and gone through different seasons with my husband sexually. And, you know, there are lots of different feelings that you go through over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I was talking about that with some colleagues, actually, and talking about how in the beginning, you know, we just we didn't know as much, but I really think that we didn't trust as much either. You know, we didn't trust each other with our inner thoughts. Yeah. You know, it's not until we've sort of gotten much later in the marriage that we began to trust each other with our fantasies and our our secret wishes and some of our insecurities as well. Yeah. And that seems to me to be a chicken and an egg type of thing, like which one of those things came first? Did you mm-hmm. have the courage to be vulnerable first or did trust build in the relationship so that you could be vulnerable? Or they, they seem to be feeding, they seem to feed each other a little sure. bit, don't they? I think though consciously for me, it is the decision to be vulnerable. Mm. I mean, I think as a sex therapist, one of the things I'm always challenging myself with is am I as sexually courageous as my patients? Uh, you know, within my moral frame, Am I as sexually courageous? And I, I'm, you know, have dealt with this one couple who they're so beautiful the way they really talk about what they feel on the inside. Yeah. You know, and they truly are respectful. I mean, the way they listen to each other, I don't think they even need me. But I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sort of there as a witness to this yeah. beautiful unfolding of the way they talk about it. And I think that both of them are pretty securely attached as individuals. They come from families that love them and, you know, sure we're imperfect, but I think that they are inspiring. And for me in my life, I I literally challenge myself to say, I need to tell my husband what lives on the inside of me, you know, sexually. What, what do I think about? I, I really purpose that. And that, I don't know that we can understate how much of a courageous act that is uh, when people do yeah. that. And because it, that vulnerability is such – it's such the easiest part that can be crushed. It's so fragile sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, because it is so it is so raw and so they could be rejected by the other, yeah. right, when we offer yeah. them out there. And so I think finding ways to be courageous with that is so important – um, and to make that to make that step, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. My husband and I had a recent conversation about it, and we were talking about our our weekend morning times. And I think he was thinking that I wanted something else, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he was throwing out all these ideas, and I'm like, okay, well, what about you? And he's like, well, I really like what we do, actually. 
you know, just as it is. And I'm like, you know what? I do too. I really like what we do. I mean, it just is, it's a great routine. It's, it's like loving and wonderful. I, I do like some of the other things he tossed out, but at different times, Mm -hmm. but kind of our weekend morning before we roll out of bed and go get coffee together, which is part of our weekend ritual. You know, I love us in that time and I love our little routine and it's, it works and we're happy and we laugh and it's fun, but it's not wild and crazy. Sure. You know, it's just, it's sweet and regular and you can count on it and depend on it. And I mean, I was like kind of relieved to hear too that he liked it, you know, because I think when he first started talking, he was trying to anticipate what I was going to say, you know, and we had to like slow it down and say, okay, what? And but to me, it was this wonderful trust building moment. It wasn't just in okay, what we're doing is acceptable to each other, but it was so vulnerable talking about what we really felt. Yeah, and so that seemed seems really free of judgment too and defense. Like, there's no defense and like say like pushing what you want. Y'all were just sharing to try to understand each other better yeah. rather than try to get your way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's so great. it was a, a good thing. I think the other thing I heard in there that in you sharing there, Lori, which is so great, is the consistency in what y'all do. Mm-hmm. Like the, there is something that is trust building when you have routine that you can depend on in the relationship. Right? Yeah. I, at least for us. Yeah. I mean, and I think that you know, some people, it isn't like this, just a calendar date. It's just that our week frees up on the weekend. Yeah. You know? Well, no, I, I think more than I mean, yeah, not, I don't mean boring, like you do the same thing every week routine. I mean, like trust is really about de- dependence, right? I mean, like, there's some, there's something that I can depend on right. that is going to happen. So right. even if it's, I can depend on that we are going to pursue each other and have spontaneous sex, like we know it's sure. going to come. Sure. Or if like our routine is even that we, we flirt with each other consistently throughout the day via text message or, you know, that we, um, leave notes for each other or that we even at uh, we we're going to have a date night every week or we're gonna you know whatever it is that I can rely on and specifically sexually that I'm not wondering if it's going to happen sometime in the future yeah. or I'm not wondering about whether it's okay to share needs because we have regular conversations but, about but it. you're saying that regularity builds trust yes absolutely it, I think, absolutely I think it tr- does it, essentially I think trust is consistency over time Right. Mm-hmm. And so finding a way that makes that whether it's we just regularly have conversations about sex or we pillow talk or we, you know, whatever, like we share fantasies with each other and are real consistent with that. Like I, whatever it is, it's just that there is some consistency in our sexual life together over time. And I yes. think that helps builds it. I think you're absolutely right. I also think that, you know, maybe we could give people some some specific things to help them build trust. Sure. Uh, one tip I would say is don't ever directly criticize your partner's body. Oh, yeah. I mean, just don't do it. Yeah. It's like that's the part that they're going to share with you. And so, I mean, I know that there are times that maybe you get unhappy with your partner's body, but saying it in a way that isn't critical or encouraging them toward health versus, mm-hmm. you know, saying you don't like this and that and the other thing about them, I, I think that's crazy. Yeah, I think it's even crazy to criticize what they're wearing. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I I know sometimes people say, oh, you know, 
uh, my partner would look better in this and that. And it's like, well, buy that for a gift. Yeah. You know, <laughs> don't tell them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so. My I, husband's getting new shoes for uh, Father's Day because yeah. you know, he always wears funky clogs. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about how you would balance that with what you said earlier about being vulnerable and sharing your thoughts and feelings. Like, I, I get that. And I absolutely agree. Don't criticize. Yeah. But I think some people may hear a mixed message there. Of, yeah. Vulnerability is not a mind dump. We never, ever, I think, get permission to say, this is just what I feel. Somehow or another, people get married and they think that they are entitled to mind dumps, mm-hmm. you know, just to talk about whatever, however, yeah. right? I'm, I'm going to say something critical. No, this is a lifelong relationship. So tact is absolutely essential. So saying what I don't like is different than what I do like. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I'd love us to to fit together the way we did when we were younger and fitter. Yeah. You know, that's not criticism. That's not the same thing. Yeah. You know, it, but just saying, well, you know what? You've gained weight and I just, I'm not as attracted to you. It's like, okay, don't expect sex. Yeah. You know, <laughs> really don't yeah. expect much sex after that. Well, and I think I think people don't realize the ratio of how often they crit- they may criticize versus how much they say positive things, sure. right? And so if they're not, you know, what the, what the ratio is like five to one, right? Five yes. positive things to a negative thing. And so if you do, if you if you're if you're not adding to the positive side, you have there's no way you can be critical and it can be it can be received or be vulnerable in that area anyway. Even if you're the most tactful in how you do yeah. it, if you're not praising your partner and uh, if you're not, you know, worshiping at worshiping their body, <laughs> yeah. like that's worshiping not, at the altar, not, not worshiping <laughs> at the altar, there's there's no way that they're going to be able to receive that in in a way that's going to be beneficial and positive. Yeah, I I even you know it's not even five to one. I mean, to you me, think, think there's more? just no place, no place for criticism in the bedroom. Well, I I, right. I mean, how do we talk about things that we want changed? I mean, that's different than but criticizing or saying you know even the complaints like. You know, you don't give me sex often enough. I mean, yeah. all of that could be framed of like, look at, I really want to make love more often. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, it is so easy for us to say what we don't like and so difficult and more vulnerable to say what we do want. Yes. And that's yes. where we need to focus sexually is what do you want? Yes. I mean, sure. really, truly strike it from your vocabulary if it's going to be critical. Yeah. And the more direct you can be, right? You would say that that's that's beneficial. Direct about what you need builds that trust as well. Yeah, and especially without anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if somebody, if we're saying direct, may mean like let's get to the point, versus you know, oh, you know, I I wish we were had sex the way we used to. It's like more direct would be, you know, I really want to have sex in exciting ways. On Friday night, and I love our routine on Sunday morning or, you know, whatever, Um, you know, sort of so your partner knows what you're talking about. But I think so often people fall into the trap of being critical. And one of the reasons I think is that they wait too long to talk about sexual problems. They wait too long to talk about sexual feelings. So my thing is talk early. Talk early. Talk early. You know, when, when something bothers you, bring it up. But don't bring it up of this bothers me. Bring it up of this is what I want. Well, that's what goes back to what we were talking about earlier, too, about the expecta- sexual expectations and the boundaries that you set sexually. Like talking mm-hmm. about those early really kind of gives you that framework so mm-hmm. that you can talk within that, especially when something's not happening that you want. When you have those shared expectations, it's much easier to come in and begin to talk about those and be direct about what you need, right? Absolutely. And, and I think that 
people are anxious to bring up anything that would be conflictual. So sexually, if they think it's going to create a conflict, first of all, the best start is a soft warm-up, right? Mm -hmm. Gottman says that a soft warm-up, you know, you have a chance at resolving something. If you start with a harsh warm-up or a critical warm-up, basically the odds go down to, you know, 90% of the time you're going to end in lack of resolution. Yeah. So soft warm-ups maybe look like requests, you know, commentary that is positive, without anger, without a tone that's angry. Yeah. So one more thing I wanted to get to before we have to be done that I think is um, important is you you mentioned to me earlier the idea that that trust gets built when we respect when a partner says no to sex. And I think that's I think that's really important. And I don't want to miss that because that's we talk a lot about the need to pursue and to, or, or to talk about sex in, in a way yes. that's positive and to express needs and say, I, I need sex and talk about that. But respecting a no also is needs a, is to, a, to build trust. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. If my partner says, I don't want to do that. I mean, that may be deeply disappointing and we can talk about it at another time, but harping on something or if your partner just isn't in the mood for it at that mm. moment and pouting and you know, and like respect. I mean, we have to commit to deep respect for our partner. So shaming our partner when they say no or like trying to, trying to, that's what, that to me is where the pressure comes or in. Or trying to sneak around that. Yes. Yes. That becomes really trust breaking. Yeah, it does. It does. It does absolutely. Well. Yeah. Okay. You're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. 